In this episode, I'll talk about the use of pressure in training and how it's not such a simple issue. I mean, it's nice to say that we don't want to pressure our horses or use pressure, but is that even possible or is it even desirable? So here we go. (laughs) Episode 31, Pressure. I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. I have been thinking a lot lately, well, always, (laughs) about the use of pressure in training. And now this, this podcast episode is not a scientific dissertation on the subject. It's more musings on the subject. I feel like I say that a lot on this podcast. It should probably be called, you know, my muse cast (laughs) instead of a podcast. Uh, But this is where I love to come just to kind of play with ideas and entertain them and toss things around. So the subject of pressure kept popping into my mind. And so much in the world that I live in with horse training, where, you know, those of you listening probably really value the relationship and you want your horses to be happy. So this is where it gets complicated. Uh, It's easy to use pressure and stress with your horse if you don't really care about them. Uh, But once you do start to really care about the horse's experience, then we do have to look at it. So I love if this is a subject interesting to you and you do want to have your horses feel like they love their life and they're not being stressed out by what we're doing. But um, pressure has been getting kind of a bad rap (laughs) these days. And to the point where I saw uh, an article about an experiment that someone did about Uh, licking and chewing. So licking and chewing is usually a sign of release. And it's talked about a lot in many, you know, quote unquote, natural horsemanship um, programs. And, you know, as a sign of a release, as a good thing, you know, it's the release that teaches, right? Pressure teaches or motivates, pressure motivates, but release teaches. So this is something many of you may have heard. But this experiment or observation that these researchers said um, found when they observed wild horses, is they said that the horses who licked and chewed only did so following a stressful situation. So some interpretations of that ha- has been that, well, then if your horse is licking and chewing, it's actually not a good thing. It means that you just stressed out your horse. And this is where I think the conversation starts to get a little bit dysfunctional. (laughs) So I wanted to kind of look at that because I am definitely somebody who is concerned about my horse's welfare and well-being, 
but I also train and I train my horses to high levels. So this is where it gets tricky. <laughs> you know, it's sort of easy to say, I want to train to high levels and I don't care what my horse feels like. And it might seem a little easy also to go, well, I just want my horse to be happy and I'm not going to expect anything or pressure or train them to do anything. And then they'll be happy. But it's actually more complicated than that. So I guess hopefully I've made myself clear that by starting to talk about, hey, maybe pressure could be uh, a good thing or a necessary thing. I just want to have the little asterisk footnote disclaimer <laughs> that just because I might be talking about this doesn't mean that I love forcing my animals to do things to the point where they're completely stressed out. All right, so to me, things like force, uh, punishment, reliance on physical manipulation kind of control are all things that I do my best to avoid. But um, I don't want to equate force with pressure to the point that I say all pressure is to be avoided because I actually don't believe that. I don't think it's possible and I don't even think it's desirable. So I think we have to look at first about, you know, what is pressure and what is stress? I looked up the definition of pressure and there were two definitions. So the one was, uh, pressure is the continuous physical force exerted on or against an object by something in contact with it. Okay. So physical force exerted on it or against it. So pressure. It also, another definition is the use of persuasion, influence, or intimidation to make someone do something. So pressure can be a physical pressure or it can be persuasion or influence or intimidation, but those are three separate things, right? Persuasion, influence, or intimidation. So I think there's some room to say pressure could be influence or persuasion. And what is training if it's not influencing somebody or something and persuading them to change or do something differently? And when you think about stress, stress is actually a really interesting subject. There's stress that we all know about, which is bad stress. You know, you don't want to live a stressed out life. We know that that causes mental, emotional, physical harm to ourselves. But there's also such a thing as good stress. So what's referred to as eustress. And this is the type of stress we feel when we're excited. Our pulse quickens, hormones surge, you know, so it's often almost the same physiological response. However, with eustress, what they say is there's no threat and there's no fear. And I think this is the important part. Now, for those of you who want to play around with the idea of stress a little bit more, there's a TED talk that I highly recommend. It's called How to Make Stress Your Friend. Uh, it's by Kelly McGonigal. And it's a really interesting TED talk. 
And she talks about how um, your perception of the physiological response of stress actually is what changes the effect that it has on you, right? So under stress, heart, you know, there's certain physiological changes that happen. Heart rate goes up, you know, all these other things, chemicals flowing through your body. But there was an experiment done and she tracked people over time and people who thought of that response as a negative were less healthy and people who felt that and framed it in their mind as a, ooh, my body's getting ready and preparing to do something, actually were healthier, measurably healthier. Same situations, same physiological response, totally different outcomes. So there can be a possibility to have this experience of stress and have it be okay. <laughs> So that's, I think, what's really interesting. And I'm not saying that, again, asterisk footnote, I'm not saying that as like, haha, this is evidence that I can go stress my horse out. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. Don't say that I said that. But I think it's really interesting to play with this. And I think in dressage, naturally, because I want my horse's welfare and well-being to be really good and i want them to be performing this is where it, it gets really interesting and and in the dressage naturally sort of exercises especially in the exercises for the finding the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics the whole focus is trying to find that you stress that that well-being that freedom that release the relaxation inside the physical movement, inside um, just regular gates, but also inside um, high power movements, you know, difficult collected movements. Can we still have this like breathability that it's not stress or nothing, but it's relaxation in motion. And the idea is that power you know, I think we want our horses, well, I want my horses to be powerful. What is power? Power is energy plus relaxation at the same time. So this is where, you know, to, to put it into dressage terms, like that's what freedom of movement and alignment and balance and power and cadence and schwung and all those things are, are a combination of, there's some pressures, there's some Ah, there's some quote stress going on in the body, but it's breathing. It, it has an element of you stress. It's good stress. It's like, raw. my body is preparing to do this thing at the same time. And that to me is really interesting. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's interesting. So when I think about stress also, I can, I think about, you know, is it, is it fear or is it excitement? You know, it's kind of very similar. And often as we, you know, you probably can think right now about moments in your life that your heart rate was pounding, your palms were sweaty, and you were like really excited because of what you were about to do. Maybe you like paid to go on a roller coaster that was like giving you all those feelings, but you're like, yeah, bring it. 
So I think to, to hold in your mind that this is possible. And pressure can be even, um, you know, pressure, stress can be desire, right? Desire, well, <laughs> yeah, that kind of desire too. Like ooh, sometimes when you see somebody you really love, it's like, ooh, my heart rate's going up and my palms are getting sweaty. So that can be, you know, but de so desire, but like Christmas Eve, you know, why do we wrap packages? Why do we wrap presents? It's because that little moment of, oh my gosh, what's in the package? Like that's stress, but it's, it's stress that we love. You know, you, you can give the beautiful gift that's inside the package, just give it to them. Why do we wrap it up and hide it? Because that's a good stress. We like that kind of stress. Why well, wonder, I wonder what's in the package. I wonder what I need to do. So curiosity also is pressure, right? That little moment of, I don't know the answer yet. I have to figure this out. That can be, that could be stressful, but we like it. It's fun. And, you know, if you think about horses or people, but horses that live in environments that are not enriched, Think of the horse that's standing in a square dirt paddock all by himself. Is there, is there stress? Maybe nothing scary happens, right? But that horse can be stressed out from lack of stress. And if you wanted to enrich that horse's environment, and zoos do this all the time, right? So even zoos where there might not be necessarily a lot of training going on, but um, they'll in, want to enrich the animal's environment. They'll throw something in the environment that makes the animal go, ooh, what's that? I don't know. Let me look. And they might even be on the edge of fear, <laughs> you know, like, whoa, I don't know what that is. They'll circle around and they finally approach and then they bop it and ooh, it startles them. And then, you know, then they rip it open and oh my gosh, there's like food inside. So was that a stressful situation? Why didn't we just give the animal his food? Here, here's the steak. But to enrich the environment, they might offer that thing in a novel way or an interesting way or a way that the animal's not quite sure of, right? So that's a little bit of stress, but it's to enrich. It makes the animal happier because he just figured something out. He had that wrapped up present, that little puzzle he had to solve, that little bit of like curiosity. I wonder what this is. So training also can be a way to enrich an animal's life, right? So think of that horse in the square paddock, dirt all by himself. He could be a really happy horse. If maybe for a certain block of time in the day, he has an owner that comes and like does really cool things with him. And, you know, think of um, some uh, circus horses. Now I, I got a chance to visit a bit with um, Katja Schumann. She's a circus trainer and just amazing horsemen. And, you know, they're, the circus life is pretty, you know, they're living in parking lots and in, in small arenas, but her horses looked happy, <laughs> you know, because the, she was able to create such a good connection with them and give them such an, you know, enriched training environment that they were really satisfied. So training and that 
interestingness of the training process can actually be something that helps horses be happier. Pressure can be a brain puzzle. Pressure can be a touch. It can be um, withholding a reward. That can be pressure. So this is also where, you know, there's a, a lot of people who do positive reinforcement. I do positive reinforcement, but there's um, a group of people who are like, only, I only do positive reinforcement. And I'm just not sure that that's actually true or possible. Because if you think, even if you're doing only scan and capture and clicking on the behavior you want. So that's a pretty, you know, touch-free, <laughs> you know, positive reinforcement with no pressure or manipulation. But imagine, you know, the, the animal starts to do a behavior, starts to get clicked, gets the reward, all right, game on. And then they don't do the behavior. So now the click is being withheld and the reward is being withheld. That creates stress. That creates a pressure and a stress and a desire because the, the animal's like, hey, I was just getting clicked and treated and now I'm not. And now they have to figure out what they're supposed to do to go get the behavior, to do the behavior, to get the click and treat. You're, you're fooling yourself. You're kidding yourself. If you think that that doesn't create pressure, that's withholding, right? So that, and that little bit of like, you got to click in a treat, you got to click in a treat. Oh, now you don't. What are you going to do about it? What else could you try? It's not training if it doesn't create enough of a desire for the animal to go, wait a minute, what do I have to do differently? Maybe I'll try going over here. Oop, got the treat again, right? That thinking, that puzzle is pressure <laughs> and it's a good thing. It's a necessary thing. If the animal didn't care, eh, that's okay. I didn't get a treat. You couldn't train them. I mean, that's just reality. So it's a lot about your attitude and your intention around how are you going to train? What do you want the result to be? And, and what's your attitude and intention about how much pressure you're going to apply? You know, physical stress, physical stress can also be um, appropriate conditioning. You know, when you're trying to build up stamina or strength, you've got to go until your body gets just this amount a little stressed and go just a little further. And then, you know, that's enough. Make it appropriate, you know, without abuse. But without that stress of the muscles, without ripping a little bit of muscle fiber, you're not going to build a stronger muscle. That's just reality. But physical pressure, you know, it, it can be appropriate conditioning. It could also be a spur in the side or a chain in the mouth, forcing the animal to do what you want. And if they don't, then they bleed. So that's pressure too. And I would say that's, that's more than, you know, what I would want to do. But physical pressure can also be a touch of the horse's hair on his chest to influence the horse to take a step backwards. That's pressure. But I think there's a big range. There's a long distance. Big, long distance? Yeah, there's a long distance between adding pressure to a horse's hair so that he moves away from you 
and putting a chain in his mouth and holding it there until he bleeds, until he submits to what you wanted him to do. That's also pressure. Two different worlds. So I think when we talk about pressure, it, it, it doesn't move the conversation forward to say pressure bad, <laughs> stress bad. It's too big a lump. We've got to get specific. Dancing the waltz involves pressure. There's a lot of contact there, but that's fun. It's far from force. Doing jigsaw puzzles, that's pressure. It's stress, but it's mentally satisfying. So, of course, the key with horses, we have a bigger responsibility to them because they're not us and it's harder to it's harder to hear them sometimes. We have to work a little harder to make sure that we're really hearing them and and keeping them safe and well. You know, so we need to listen better to our horses to make sure that the the stress or the pressure that we're providing in our training is making things fun and satisfying and rewarding and positive for them. So for me, given that I believe stress is not only does stress and pressure is not only necessary, but desirable, not the chain in the mouth kind, the fun, exciting, curiosity building kind, then it sort of follows that those signs of release are hugely important. So that experiment I said in the beginning where it's like, oh, if your horse is licking and chewing, it means he was stressed out. I don't believe that because I believe there's some stress that's necessary. And if we're going to necessarily be using pressure and use stress to create the animal to go, huh, what do I got to do to change this and get the answer and get the reward? Then of course we're going to want release because the, the opposite is no release. And then we're just building tension and they're holding it inside and we don't want to do that. So one of the, you know, key quotes in or memes in dressage naturally is everything comes from and returns to relaxation we want to start with a calm, happy animal. We want to like do stuff to, to, you know, influence them to change their behavior. That's what training is. And at the end of that, release any of the negative stress that, that hang on. So it's like breathing. Every breath goes in and it comes out and we start over again. I also believe that it's, it's kind of impossible to live a life without stress. I mean, I think for, for anybody or anything, I, my horse is in their pasture, a deer in the bushes causes stress for a minute. Our human world is going to cause stress for them. It's not natural for them. So part of my responsibility as a trainer is to help my horses deal with stress in a way that will work for them in this human environment, right? They're not out in limitless space where they can just run away <laughs> from the thing that they don't like. So this process of teaching a horse how to be resilient and how to um, come down off of the stress levels is something I'm I feel it's it's beneficial to them for me to help facilitate that they can do it on their own in the wild but they're not in the wild 
And so this process of going, what's this puzzle? You got it. <sighs> return to relaxation. You see that stress? Oh, great. And then whew, return to relaxation. I've seen this um, affect horses globally. I've seen the training actually change who they are in the pasture and help them be able to cope with just life in general. So that I feel like that tra- part of the training process is actually a responsibility that we humans, if we're going to put them in our world, I think we have responsibility to help them move through that process. Because the alternative is they go into fight or flight or freeze or avoid. They go introverted, they check out or they act out. And those horses in fight or flight or freeze or avoid, whatever form that that shows up in, they're probably not licking and chewing. Now, does that mean that if they're not licking and chewing, it means that they did not just have stress? No, it just means they're stuck in it. They're holding it, right? So life has stress. <laughs> so let's make sure that they're releasing it. Asterix footnote, that does not mean I am giving you permission to go stress your horse out. This is a nuanced conversation. It's not a stress bad (laughs) release because they were stressed bad. (laughs) No. Oh my goodness. A horse with no stress may actually, you know, quote, no stress. That horse in the, in the little pasture with a controlled environment. So nothing ever happens. They might be actually bored to death. And often horses that are really bored and not stimulated enough can develop. Those are the ones that are weaving in the stall or cribbing or have formed some other stereotypy. And there's actually been, uh, people have measured this and those horses that are doing that weaving or whatever it is actually um, show less signs of stress because they're actually, that's their way of soothing and releasing. But like I said, those horses, um, if they're doing that because they're bored, then what they need is more interesting stuff in their lives. They need things to figure out and be successful in. They don't necessarily need less pressure. Now, some horses are weaving because what's being done to them when they're being trained is not so happy and they're relieving their stress in their stall. But a lot of times it's because they're bored. They're stuck in isolation. So what's important is to know your horse, know horses in general or whatever animal you're working with, know that animal and then know that individual. And you want to be able to uh, get to the edge, find the threshold of just enough pressure to cause a desire to change. That's what training is. And not go a drop further. And that's the game. That's the art. We want to release reward and relieve that stress at the appropriate time and to the appropriate amount so that the horse, you know, feels the reward and knows they got it right, but, and they still want to stay in the game, right? It's these little conversations where they don't go over the edge, but they're not getting nothing. They just, they like, they made that move and it worked. So they want to do it again. And I think that's, that's, again, that's the artful part. 
is how do we play with the pressures and the releases and the timing and the rewards so that they feel satisfied and they feel successful, but they also feel interested. And, um, and we don't go so far that then the fight, the flight, the freeze, or the avoid kicks in because then what happens is then that creates a whole bunch of other training issues. And those training issues that come from the horse being over the edge um, are actually really obvious to see, unfortunately. And then people go, oh, well, there's a problem. The horse is spinning at the end of the lead rope. Let's address that. And my feeling would be like, no, that's not the problem. The problem happened five steps earlier than that, and we missed it. So let's all stop, (laughs) slow down start again and make sure we don't blast through that threshold. We keep it in the conversation area. So I think a lot of training problems are from um, going over the threshold. You want to get to it, go to the edge. Walter Zettel said, go to the limit, but not over the limit. So this is, you know, lots of trainers have some sort of phrase, you know, for that. So you want to go Um, Jennifer Zellig says, go quickly to the threshold and then slow down. So you want to go as, you know, get to the point where you can maximize the training, you know, that you get done. But at the moment it starts to get hard, like slow down and go take smaller steps. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they add so much pressure. The horse is over the limit. And now you're actually dealing with the compounded stress, fight, flight, freeze, avoid behaviors instead of actually training the original behavior that you wish your horse did instead of those things. That makes sense. I hope that makes sense. But it is possible, and this is something I'm always striving for, and what makes me really happy is, is, you know, of course, the training sessions, but what makes me really, really happy is when I'm out at the barn And the horses who have the day off actually are kind of like jealous. And they keep coming in the grooming stall like, isn't it my turn yet? And I don't know, today's your day off. And uh, that just warms my heart because I feel like that's, that's a sign that my training is not only making me happy, but it's making them happy because they want to do it again. And they literally walk in the barn. That's one of the reasons I have my place set up the way it is. So it's a totally horse safe. They can be obviously in their pastures, but then they have the main area I can turn them loose in and they're free to walk in and out of the barn or go anywhere they want on the property. So on their day off, so when they're coming in the barn going, pick me, pick me, pick me, uh, then I feel like I got it right. You know, that that just makes me really smile. So... <laughs> So that's, you know, every horse and individual has a different personality, but some version of that feeling of, hey, I ask me to do stuff, ask me to do stuff is a really good sign in your training. As I said, not every horse has that personality, but if you know your horse, you can tell. You'll be able to tell when they're there. You leave them wanting more. And so they want more. So I guess the, the point is, to not be afraid to challenge your horses. And I have to say this to my tribe, to you you who are listening, because chances are if you found me, it's because you not only like to develop your horses, but you really, really care about the relationship. 
And I think a lot of times really heart-centered people will read an article like the one that I described that says, oh, if your horse licks and chews, it means he was stressed. And, and then we feel bad. And then we don't want to make a mistake. And we don't want to pressure our horses because pressure is bad and stress is bad. And I just hope that this kind of opens things up and for you to look at the range of what could be considered pressure. It's intimidation, but it's also persuasion. You know, your choice. You can be persuasive and use pressure in a way that influences and creates a desire and a curiosity for a change of behavior, or you could use it to intimidate. <laughs> Your choice. I would say go for the influence and persuasion. And as always, just observe yourself. You know, keep that self-awareness every now and then zoom out. And try to be objective in observing what you're doing with your horse and what your horse is doing. And just check in with yourself. Ask yourself, am I going over the limit? And that's a really good, that's a really good thing to start to notice. You know, when does your horse change from I'm in the game to I'm starting to fight, freeze, want to leave or want to avoid. And if you can really recognize that little edge then you you'll know you you'll you'll avoid a lot of trouble if you if you see that edge and when you get to it and some other behaviors start coming out instead of trying to just go in and then change those big behaviors that happen over the limit just back off a second take a step back take a breath get out a notepad just think for a second and what i always tell people is ask your horse how can i help you with this what do you need from me you know, just taking a minute to do that and turn on the curiosity. How could I do this better? And then just make a plan and just see if there's a way that whatever you want to ask your horse to do, is there a way to explain it clear, take a smaller step, help your horse be more successful with an easier version of it. So you guys can both get back on track and, and feel like every training session can be like you're showing up every day with a gift wrapped present and you approach that training session with you and you, you know where you hold out this gift and your horse is like Ooh, what are we gonna do today what kind of reward is in that box and that's that's how I like to approach my training sessions with my horses so give your horse the pressure of a beautifully wrapped gift that they have to figure out how to open it I hope that helps as always please visit the Dressage Naturally Land Facebook group and leave me some comments about how you like this podcast. All right, bye. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse move in harmony and enjoy the process. <laughs>